Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. What did he with this? Hurts. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network. It's sponsored by BetOnline.ag and BetterHelp.com. BetOnline.ag is using that promo code Believe, like we always talk about at the beginning of the show, B-L-E-A-V. They will match your initial deposit up to 50%. If you want to go bet on some money in the uh, following states you're allowed to do so, head on over to that website, put your deposit in there. The match up to 50% if you use B-L-E-A-V as the promo code and Forcebetterhealth.com slash Eagles for 10% off your first month therapy. We care about mental health more than anybody else, oh, just as much as anybody else. So go ahead and go to betterhealth.com slash Eagles for 10% off your first month. Co-host Connor Miles here by co-host Ed Crass. Ed, uh, that was an impressive victory by the Eagles. Uh, it, was, it was close to what I thought it was going to be, uh, 27-23. It got to that point where I thought it was actually going to get there uh, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, they took the Eagles capitalized off of some Ram miscues. I got... Uh, quite frankly, got lucky on some Matt Stafford inaccuracies, if you ask me my opinion, from watching that game and rewatching it again. But uh, the Eagles just were humming, and A.J. Brown looks like he's ready to take over the league per usual. Uh, three straight games, 100 receiving yards. Uh, pure dominance on his part. That one-handed catch over the middle at the end of the half to really show, punch the Rams in the mouth. That's the Eagles offense we've been looking for all year. That play right there, that drive. Uh, I think it was only what thirty-two seconds scoring drive, something that's right. around there. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly the offense, the high-powered offense that the Eagles fans know that they have, uh, that they're capable of as a team. Uh, and they showed it right there to end the half out, where you thought, man, ten, it's ten to fourteen. That's not how we want to go in heading into the half. Let's try to get at least get three here and make it a one-point score game. And the Eagles are like, no, nah, I'm just gonna drive down the field and score and get six. Uh, that that was really an impressive, impressive drive. I thought that was Brian Johnson's best drive of this year. Well, what do you think about that drive? Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, really the momentum changer. The Rams would have had all the momentum going in the locker room at 14-10. And, you know, the Eagles got some help with some penalties, but, you know, they were forced by A.J. Brown. Uh, You know, uh, Darion Kendrick, I think it was, number one for the Rams, just couldn't cover him. I mean, that that slant over the middle that he one hands with his left hand, he goes for 38, and then he gets horse collar tackled, tacks on 15. Next play, they go into the end zone and – uh, he gets interfered with, and they put it at the one. Two seconds left. The Eagles decide to, you know, instead of kicking a field goal, they decide to go for the touchdown. It proved to be the right move. You know, interestingly, in the three previous games, it was Jake Elliott who kicked field goals to as time expired on the first half uh, to give the Eagles momentum going into the locker room. This time they got a touchdown as time expired on the first half. So, you know, that's, that's pretty remarkable, very unique four plays, 75 yards, 32 seconds. I don't think there's ever been a drive like that in Eagles history of, you know, more than one play. I mean, they've had some big, you know, deep connections from quarterback to receiver, you know, 75, 80 yards, but four plays and 75 yards is very unique. Gave the Eagles a lot of momentum. 
And like you said, instead of going into the locker room trailing 14-10, the Rams have all the momentum because they just hit that 22-yard touchdown pass from Stafford to uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, they're riding the momentum. Uh, but the Eagles took it right back from him, and that was huge. That was kind of the turning point, in my opinion, in the game was that that drive. The, the typical starters showed out for the Eagles, as always. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I thought, had a masterful game. That interception, that can go either way. Uh, he, I, I think he's – I think I don't know if he stated this, but I remember they said that in the broadcast there was a miscommunication. They thought uh, Hurts thought A.J. was going to come back route when A.J. just did the vertical into the end zone, whatever it may be. Uh, I live with those interceptions just because I know you're driving down the field and you almost score there. Nine times out of ten, those interceptions are touchdowns. So I, I live with that interception there. I'm fine with that. I thought Jalen Hurts had a masterful game. That was really the game where you thought, man, this guy really wants to become a pocket guy. He's trying to prove to not only himself but to the rest of the league, I'm not just a threat with my legs. You have to account for my arm here as well because he ran very well that game, I will say. It was more comfortable. It was more fluid. It looks like Jalen Hurts that we were used to uh, with him running the ball. But it looks like he's just prioritizing himself being more of a pocket guy more so than take off with his leg. I'm going to beat you with my arm now, too. Since you guys think you're going to take away my legs, I'm going to beat you with my arm, and I'm going to prove it to you. And I feel like we're getting that kind of Jalen Hurts these last couple of weeks. And listen, that's what they need. I mean, look, look at some of those runs. Look at some of the hits that he took on some of those runs. There was the one where he looked like he got face masked. masked. It wasn't a face mask. It was, you know, he got hit up around the neck and the shoulder kind of knocked him back a little bit, but he kept going. I mean, that's a vicious hit. And then there was another time where he got hit twice, kind of stumbled, somehow kept his balance. But, you know, his legs, you know, are kind of in a precarious position there. I mean. Yeah, band turf. Just band artificial turf altogether. Yeah, it's it's just you don't want him running. I mean, what did he run it? 15 times for 72 yards, both season highs. Um, he's got to be a pocket passer. I mean, that's the only way for him to play all 17 games, in my opinion, is develop in the pocket, develop into the pocket passer. Um, and he is, he's taking steps in that direction. It hasn't been a pretty uh, evolution, but we're seeing that evolution right before our very eyes. Um, yeah, he'll run when he feels like he needs to pick up the yards or can pick up the yards. Uh, and, and that's what he did, but you really hope he doesn't have to do that too often because it's just not a, a recipe for, uh, you know, long-term health. Dallas Goddard finally arrived. Uh, yeah. I thought, you know, because everybody's asking, like, I've had people ask me, and I'm sure you have people ask you too as well, well what, why was this the game for Dallas Goddard? The Rams just don't have a safety or linebacker that can keep up with Dallas Goddard. Like the first couple of weeks presented them in a challenge of being able to, because the personnel for their, these teams that the Eagles already played had the linebackers, had the safeties to help take Goddard out of the game plan. The Rams don't. The Rams just flat out don't. And that's and that's really what happened there. The the better talent of Dallas Goddard there was in a better position to do so. I mean, I'm gonna be hats off to the Rams. They decided to go into this game like we're gonna eliminate the deep play, so we're gonna try to take Devontae Smith out of the game, and that's gonna be our focus. Because most of these teams are trying to focus in on Dallas Goddard more so than fans are trying to uh, study into and know about. Because uh, I I always have people saying it's something's wrong. It's funny Giovanni said that to me, Ed. He said I don't think Dallas Goddard is really a priority to this offense anymore. They really care about him. I'm like, no, that's not it, Gio. I'm like these these defenses are really trying to take him out of the game. They know who Hurts' security blanket is, and they want to make Joe and Hurts as uncomfortable as they possibly can. They're taking away the security blanket. The Rams just didn't have the personnel to do so, so they honed in on Devontae Smith, and look what happened. Devontae was non-existent practically. He only had like what one catch, I believe, maybe two catches at the most. Wow. Uh, yeah, one. I thought it was the one. It was the comeback route. It wasn't even that big of a game. But that's that's really just happens. They, it's a matchup dictated league. We talk about it on the pod. We talk about it on social media. 
When you want to see James Bradbury line up at the slot or when you want to see him outside, it matchup dictated. When you want to see what uh, defenses want to hone in on a guy each week, typically you would think they would go after A.J. Brown. I don't think any defense could possibly go after A.J. Brown, and it just works. Because uh, I mean, come on, what have we seen so far? A.J. Brown's a top five wide receiver. You ask me, he's just destroying the league. You can't stop him no matter what. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers put almost three guys on him, and he still scored on him. So it, it, the guy's just unstoppable. But you could take away Dallas Goddard, you could take away Devontae Smith, and you could take away some other facets of this offense and make it one-dimensional. And when you make this Eagles offense more one-dimensional, that's where they struggle the most, and that's what these defenses know. That's where they hone in on certain players. And the Rams were able to eliminate Devontae Smith, so hats off to them. But by doing so, they opened up the floodgates for Dallas Goddard, and look what happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, great game. Uh, you know, and he set the tone early. You know, he had the – a reception where he just ran guys over and, you know, his teammates fed off of that. You know, he had a 49 yard catch. It's a career high uh, breaking his previous high of 45 yards. And he was real close to setting his career high in catches and yards. He had 117 yards, I think on eight catches, you know, his career high, I think is 131 on nine catches. So he was right there. And, you know, you're right. The Eagles, and I give Brian Johnson a lot of credit. I mean, I thought it was a really well-called game plan. Now the red zone, a little bit different story, but I thought Brian Johnson did a good job recognizing, uh, you know, what's going to work against this Rams team. And I think he made some in-game adjustments as well and uh, started uh, running the ball in the second half with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift really broke out in the second half. Uh, you know, he had five carries for seven yards in the first half. He ends up with uh, 17 carries for 70 yards, uh, Had a, was very involved in the pass game, really for the first time, six catches on uh, or six catches for 38 yards. But yeah, Goddard, it was good to see him do what he did. He caught a touchdown pass to his first of the season. And, you know, this guy loves to run patterns and catch passes, but he says that, hey, I'll block too. I'll do whatever as long as the team wins and I'm playing my role. And that's the kind of selfless attitude that, you know, just about everybody on this team has. And, uh, but it was good to see him get his because he does block well. He does work hard in the run game. And to be rewarded with that kind of game is, is you know, good for him, good for the team, good for morale. And, uh, you know, it was great to see. He had a superb block on the swift counter run. I think it was on third down. He chipped Ernest Jones and threw him off the pursuit of DeAndre Swift. And he just chipped him at. He just threw his shoulder and him. He threw him all the way back. Ernest Jones, my yeah. God, man, Dallas Goddard's a complete tight end. It's yeah. one of the most complete tight ends I've ever seen play. I mean, hats off to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is, in my opinion, the best tight end in franchise history. But Dallas Goddard just does so many different things to element to his game other than catching the ball. It's just phenomenal to see. I love to see the talent Dallas Goddard is. Uh, but the red zone struggles, like you alluded to, we got we got to expand on that a little bit, a little bit more because. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Brian Johnson is slowly adjusting into this role where it's just going to get better over time. It's just the truth. I mean, Shane Steichen wasn't perfect out of the gate either. Everybody just wants to forget 2021. I mean, I know that the, the offense turned it around when he started taking play calls over, but it's took time. That, that, that was still a timely thing. You don't just take the cover of the play calls and you're up uh, scoring 30 points per game. This is still going to take some time for him to ease in and get into his motion, get into his groove. Only five games into Brian Johnson's tenure, and it's already on the upward trend. So I will give him his credit where it's due, but the Red Zone offense is completely on the offensive coordinator at the end of the day. That it just can't. They're twenty seventh success rate in the offense in the red zone where they were third last year. 
Like that's that's an impeccable difference. So they got it. It's inexcusable at this point with the talent that they have. They got to be better down there, especially with that offensive line. I mean, you even saw Jason Kelsey himself get completely frustrated. Even Sirianni. I mean, these guys are getting so frustrated over the red zone offense because they see the opportunities that the that they have, and they know it's just them shooting themselves in the foot. Because that I watched that. I mean, I know everybody's talking about it, so I'm going to harp on it a little bit. That Quez Watkins uh, catch where he was sprung with those blocks and he, and he runs out of bounds instead and gets easily pushed out of bounds by the defender because he runs the hole. Th- His vision was horrible there. He hits the wrong hole. Just terrible. If you watch the all 22 at a different angle, he scores there. That's a touchdown. That's why Sirianni's flipping out the way he is on the sidelines. Uh, and he, again, even Sirianni flipped out about the, flipped out the Jalen Hurts. I mean, he knows... He sees the opportunities, and Jason Kelsey himself, he said it himself to uh, at the end of the game. It's These resident opportunities are frustrating. Uh, it's just the Eagles shooting themselves in the foot at the end of the day. So that's yeah. it's got to really improve, and I, I think it will over time. I still have faith. I still trust it because the talent's there. If it were, if it was a lack of talent, then I'd understand. But they have the personnel to be successful in the red zone. It's yeah. just execution. Yeah, we saw it last year. You know, But I, I'll say this. I think what teams are doing, what defenses are doing once it gets inside the red zone is – uh, they're they're uh, kind of bringing guys closer to the line of scrimmage, and they're trying to stop the run. You remember last year, Miles Sanders had 11 rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had 13. That's 24 rushing touchdowns. They had 32 rushing touchdowns on the season. So I think teams are trying to take that away when the when they when the field gets shorter, and they're making Jalen Hurts try to find an open guy inside the red zone. And I think that's what we're seeing him try to learn how to do is try to find guys. I mean, he's very good at striking from outside the 20. You know, we see him connect with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on these long passes for touchdowns, but he has had a hard time finding guys once the field gets a little bit shorter, and that's what defenses are doing is they're trying to make him beat them with his arm once they get inside the red zone. So they're doing a better job taking the run away because they saw what the Eagles did last year. I mean, 32 rushing touchdowns uh, is phenomenal, and they're just not going to let that happen. So they're going to make Hurts beat him, and – that's what has to improve is Hertz has to get, you know, better timing, you know, maybe get rid of the ball quicker in the red zone. You don't have time to hang on and hang on and wait for somebody to come open because it's just a shorter field. So he's got to get rid of the ball quicker inside the red zone. Once he starts doing that, I think you'll see the red zone numbers uh, start to rise a little bit. Definitely. That's this is a very valid and great points that you're making right there because he definitely has a hand in the fall to the red zone. But I also think some of these play calls are leaving me scratching my head. So I, I think that has to also he has to Brian Johnson has to get a flow for the red zone just as much as Jalen Hurts does. That's yeah. really what it is. I, I believe they can. I 100 percent believe they can. I think it's just yeah. a, you know a new wrinkle to add to Jalen Hurts' game that he has to adapt to. He's still a young quarterback. That's what everybody wants to forget. We already crowned him like one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but we still have to remember at the end of the day, this is third season starting. And this is this isn't a proven veteran. I mean, I heard Donovan Ad talk on WIP uh today when he was the one actually that gave me, you know. He made me get. He put me. He put me on like a new lens, like a new contact lens to watch the game and to see how Jalen's really trying to become this pocket passer and develop his game because he's picking up defenses more. He's understanding coverages more. He's a young quarterback adapting to the game. Basically, is what McNabb was alluding to, and you, you see it, it clearly on the field as well. And this is just a new wrinkle to his game that he has to improve on and he has to get better at. And that's what young quarterbacks do. There's nothing's going to be perfect. Uh, no such thing as that. Very rarely does it happen. It comes once in the blue moon, like Tom Brady did. So I I'm we're fine. I mean the reason why the the 22 and one was the last 23 games. 
Well, and, and that's a good point about Brian Johnson. You're right. He has to figure out, okay, we're not going to be able to run it as successfully in the red zone. And it'd be interesting to look back at all their red zone first downs and see exactly what the play call was. Because to me, it looks like they are trying to run the ball on first down and second down. Maybe they should do it backwards. Maybe they should try to play action on first down and throw. And again, I haven't looked up the stats, but it'd be interesting to see because you're right. I think Brian Johnson, he's been here two years. He saw the success that this running game had inside the 20 yard line. Uh, and it's just not there. And that's a credit to the defense. So now he's going to have to adjust and he's going to have to call it a little bit differently and give Jalen Hurts a chance uh, to make a play maybe early in a series inside the red zone rather than just running it and then having to face, you know, second and tens or, you know, third and eights, uh, you know, give more of a chance. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Brian Johnson has a hand in this as well. And, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. They're smart. These guys study film morning, noon, and night. I mean, they're going to get it. And then when they do, again, I think those numbers will come up. Um, right. and, if it yeah. was a lack of talent that they had, then, yeah, a different story. It's, right. it's really just execution. That's the problem. Because I think you're right. Goddard, yeah, and that's where Goddard comes in. Goddard, they, he needs to be more of a red zone threat. He should have five or six touchdown catches this year. You know, he only had three, I think, last year. He missed five games. But – you know, he's got to be more of a threat. And and they did throw to him when it was third and goal, I think, at the, what, six-yard line. They found him. They need to do more of that, even from deeper in the red zone, like, you know, the 12-yard line or the 14-yard line. Get him free or run Brown or Smith on a slant or run a fade. You know, there's so many different ways they can put this I mean, ball I'm not going to lie. Zone. They had a great third down uh, red zone play where Jalen just went to Devontae, who was blanketed, and Quez found it. Because, again, I don't think Quez ran the right route on this. Because I keep watching it, and he looks like he's completely lost and not understanding what he's supposed to be doing. So he just tries to get open because Hertz is rolling out to the right and trying to bail out his quarterback. And Hertz just didn't see him because he's mm-hmm. focusing on Devontae. Uh, so, and that's another miscue because if, if you know, Jalen takes that one second to scan one more time before he makes that throw, he sees Quez and he hits him for six instead of the, taking the three there. So, uh, these are just the that's what I'm that's what we're trying to allude to is that there's just miscues, it's an execution problem, it's not a talent problem. Uh, but I think you're right. Honestly, if off the top of my head, again, we're not looking at the numbers here, but I feel like every time they get in the red zone, they they're like, all right, let's run down their throats now. Like that's what I just feel like I see a lot. I feel like you yeah. do a, a handoff to the running back first, and then you try to do this quarterback sneak with Hertz second. And then if those don't work, then you're trying to pass it. And so I think it's a little too late at that point. because uh, you I mean, normally in those those pass attempts, it's hard to throw it in the, the red zone one hundred percent. And it is. there's no there's no yard mark to get to the first down. You have to score. So uh, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that's. I think I, again, it's it's hurts, but it's also a little bit of the play calling too as well. They, they play hand in hand. Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts has got to get on the same page there, but the talents there just an execution problem. But moving on real quick, yeah, I do want to. I do want to hit on something else because I thought it was amazing to think. Just just sit there and think about this. Like everybody that's listening, to this, sit there and think about this. One of the Eagles anchors for years on this team, in Fletcher Cox, did not play Sunday against the Rams. Did you even notice it, though? Mm. You're going to say no. Want to know why? Because Jalen Carter played exactly like we thought Jalen Carter was going to play. But then even better, Jalen Carter is already putting himself into an elite tier of defensive tackles with his production so far. It's insane. It's insane for a rookie to be this good this early. Like it's it's phenomenal. Like it just makes you think. I sat back and I at that game at the end of the game, I'm like, wow, I I really forgot Fletcher Cox didn't didn't play. And that's 
you know, think of what you will about Fletcher Cox over these past few years. But again, he's still an anchor to this team. He's still one of the team captains. He's the bread and butter of the defense. He gets these. I mean, I know you said Reed Blankenship last episode is the heart and soul, but I mean, this guy really is the backbone is Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. And in a game he didn't play, he's heir apparent stepped up and played to the level that Cox has played and showed that he could probably be end up being better than him as his career goes on, to be honest with you. So just think about it. The Eagles have always valued having that defensive lineman. They, the Reggie Whites, they paid so much money for Javon Curse when they were able to sign him. They had Trent Cole that they put so much money into. They've had Brandon Graham they put so much money into. Fletcher Cox. They always have that one guy that they draft, and he's always going to be – Or I know Curse they didn't draft, but you got my point there. They always have that one guy they invest a lot into that edge rusher too or that defensive lineman too to be the anchor going further. And, and they have it in Jalen Carter. And we only found that about – I mean, we knew this before the game started, but now that the games have had the evidence that we have on the field, we just know this is this is only the beginning for this kid. He's only going to continue to get better, and his better is scary. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's 22 years old. He just turned 22 in April. Um, he's uh, 6'3", 315 pounds. When you see him, he doesn't look like all that. You know, he's not a big, scary-looking guy, but he's just so athletic and so quick, and he, he – he flips that switch and he plays with such an attitude. Uh, first career multi-sack game, had two of them. Uh, what I think he needs, and I've written about this, is a signature sack dance. I mean, he's going to pile up some sacks, and I'd like to see him come up with a dan- you know, some kind of a celebration move like Javon Hargrave did the karate kick, and his teammates all came and gave Great the karate there, kick yeah. right along with him. I, I love Reddix. Yeah, I love that. I love the thumbs down. That thing is great. And I like Sweat's little, you know, how he brushes. Yeah, wipe the sweat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think we need to have a, a Carter needs something. Um, but listen, he's still getting, you know, he's still learning. He still needs to, you know, be consistent. Like Nick Sirianni said, he needs to do it over and over and over again uh, for the rest of his career. I mean, right now he's sitting at three and a half sacks for the season. That leads the team. Uh, if you look at, uh, rookie defensive tackles through the years with the Eagles. Corey Simon, as a rookie, I think it was 2000, had nine and a half sacks, which was phenomenal. But that was 2000. Now, Carter could break that. Right now, only one ahead of him is Fletcher Cox, who had four sacks from the defensive tackle spot in 2012. Carter's got three and a half. You know, he could, he could be second on this list when the weekend's over, after they play the Jets. And then right now he's tied with, I think um, – you know, Mike Patterson is on that list and Jerome Brown. Those two guys had three and a half sacks as rookies, defensive tackles, you know, in their rookie season. So Carter's already matched them. Carter is a half a sack away from tying Fletch, you know, and he could catch Corey Simon. I mean, there's 12 games to go. He's on a pace for 12 sacks this season, which that could lead the team. I mean, which would be amazing for a defensive tackle, 22-year-old kid to come in here and do that. Um, on a but right basis. now, huh? On a limited basis, too. Yeah, I mean, he's not playing. Starters, he played 39 so. snaps this past weekend. That was not even – I mean, they didn't have many sa- uh, snaps. And that's one thing that the Eagles are doing is they're holding teams. They're, they're only playing 59.8 snaps per game on defense – because the Eagles offense is doing a good job converting on third down. We saw them do it 13 out of 18 times this past weekend. Uh, so the Eagles defense isn't playing a, a really large number of snaps, but Carter's playing like 40% of them. And he's so productive in, in that time. And it, it's so exciting to see because 
you know, I, I don't remember Jerome Brown much as a rookie. Everybody loved what he what he was. And it's a shame, really a shame. His career was cut short. Uh, but, you know, people think that he's the next Jerome Brown. And that's a high compliment for a kid like Carter. And, you know, Deshaun Desai was asked about him on Tuesday and he said he's like a sponge. You know, he's really soaking everything up and he has great people to learn from. Fletch. Brandon Graham, he's going against some of the best offensive linemen in the game with Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, Cam Juergens, uh, Sua Opeta. I mean, it, it, that's who he's working against in practice. So he's only going to get better. And, you know, I'm here for it. I'm, I can't wait to watch. <laughs> he sh- he shoots out of a cannon the same way Brandon Graham does. Brandon Graham's an edge rusher. Yeah, his get-off. And that's one thing they work on is the get-off, is getting off that ball. I mean, fastest guy off the ball wins nine times out of ten, and that's what he said that him and Coach Tracy Rocker work on all the time is the get-off of the of the ball. Um, and, you know, he's got a quick get-off. And for all of those out there that always care about sacks and want to see sack numbers, you're missing the whole entire point of the football game because I'm watching Josh Sweat beat some guys. I'm watching Reddick get after and cause some pressure. Matt Stafford had some very un- inaccurate throws that were results of pressure. And yeah. if you could get Matt Stafford to throw inaccurate passes, you're going to win football games. And they he threw a ton of, because I'm not going to lie to you, I, I, Bradley Roby, I do tip my hat to him. When he came in, there was less chaos, it seemed. Because yeah. you're right, you alluded to this fact that they're going to go with this uh, makeshift uh, by the book, keep rotating guys in, because you saw Goodrich, you saw Eli Ricks, yeah, then you saw Roby. Uh, multiple spots of the game. And when Roby came in, the chaos did come to an end, but there was times where Cooper Cump was well ahead of him. And Matt Stafford just missed him because of bad throws. And a lot of these bad throws came because the defensive linemen are bearing down on them. I mean, Milton Williams, too. I mean, these guys had some great gains on the defensive line without Fletcher Cox. Uh, uh, hats off to the whole entire defensive line room. And again, for those that always want to focus on the sack numbers, I want to focus on the pressure. I care more about the pressure right now. I'm getting to that point in my life where I was watching as a football fan where I don't really give a crap about sack numbers because the Eagles had 70 sacks last year. I care more about – they didn't win the Super Bowl, though. They had 70 sacks. And Pat Mahomes had clean pockets and didn't have that much pressure to deal with it. Say what you will about the field. But again, at the end of the day, the pressure didn't get home. I care more about the pressure because that's how you're going to win football games is the pressure is going to lead to inaccurate throws. It's going to lead to interceptions, which it did. And that's just what I like to see at the end of the day. And that's that's what they did to a Matt Stafford and a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback who's won a Super Bowl in this league. And they had him off his off rhythm, off his game, and they won because of it. And they held those Rams to 14 points as well, also because of it. So hats off to the D-line. And hats off to Suo Pena. I mean, what a game from him. I mean, I wanted to credit Hassan Reich, too. I mean, Hassan Reich just proved again that that Cass being off is uh, bad news for the rest of the league on the Eagles schedule because uh, he's he's back. He's the closer. He's going to finish games out like he did and get the whole entire team and the whole stadium hype because Eagles fans travel well better than anyone. That that was a home game again. Uh, in Lofi. And again, every time somebody likes to bring this up, I'm always like, yeah, but I mean, the Rams just moved to California. I'm not really sure how invested those fans are, but it doesn't really matter for Eagles fans. They can go take over a whole entire stadium regardless who what the fan base is or who you're cheering for. They, I, I've seen it in Buffalo. I've seen it in Miami first day. I've seen it in Atlanta. Uh, I've seen it in multiple places. I know Eagles fans have too, and people listen to this podcast do have too. But uh, Eagles fans really took over that game. It was incredible. But uh, it pumped Hassan Reddick. It looks like he's officially back. But I also want to give him credit, but I also want to give my props to Suo Peta. He looked like 
he, you know, Rodriguez, the offensive line didn't miss a beat. That's what you're always worried about with chemistry and communication on the offensive line is that they don't miss a beat, uh, especially with the new starter in there. And they didn't with Sue Opeta. You didn't even notice anything. Yeah, kudos to Sue Opeta. And he's going to have to play now for these next, uh, you know, month or so because Cam Jurgens went on the uh, injured reserve uh, just hours before the game. The next uh, Saturday, he went on IR. So, you know, this is Sue Opeta's show now at right guard. And uh, it was a good start, but it doesn't get any easier. He's got Quinn and Williams coming up for the New York Jets, who's a younger Aaron Donald, probably better than Aaron Donald at this point in his career. So, yeah, it's not going to get any easier for him, but it was a great start. I mean, this is only his fifth start of his career. He's been here since 2019. Uh, so, yeah, big, big kudos to him. Jeff Stoutlin, of course, you know, he had him ready to go. He's been prepping this guy for the last five years. I mean, it's rare when you see a backup offensive lineman uh, spend that much time on one team. Uh, but the Eagles like him. Uh, enough to keep him, and he paid dividends on on Sunday. Uh, but getting back to the defense, you know, I, I'm gonna I'll give my game ball there to like Sean Desai. I mean, that defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you know, it, he's not afraid to try guys, and I think he knows what his guys do well, and I think he knows what his guys don't do well, and he's able to adjust in game. I don't I don't think the Eagles win this game if Jonathan Gannon is the defensive coordinator. This looked like it was headed for a shootout. And then Sean Desai comes out at halftime, and the the Los Angeles Rams have 50 yards of offense with these two all-world receivers, Nakua and Cooper Cup, was torching them in the first half. Six, five or six catches for 95 yards. He didn't do anything in the second half. I know that Stafford missed them, but like you said, your timing is a little bit off. You're feeling a little bit of the pressure that the Eagles are generating. But Sean Desai is doing it with a secondary. He didn't play Josh Job at all. Josh Job was logging all these snaps because they had to move Bradbury into the slot. He's he's trying, guys. He he threw Mario Goodrich out there to start the game. Goodrich played 18 snaps. Eli Ricks got his first defensive snaps of his career. Played yeah, that was surprising. Snaps. That was surprising. Yeah, and Josh Job didn't play, and yet Goodrich and and Ricks did. I mean, he's not afraid to try, guys. He watches them in practice. He gets them ready to play. He's like Jeff Stoutland. He gets his defense ready to play. And he could come out with a game plan that might not be successful early, but he'll adjust. He'll adjust in game. Oh, yeah. I, I think if he was the D coordinator last year, the Eagles might have won with him as a defensive coordinator. He might have been able to make the adjustments necessary to li- win that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. So, listen, I, I'm throwing a lot of bouquets here at Sean Desai, but I believe in this guy. I think he's a smart coach i think he's got head coach material uh and like i said i don't think they win this game against the rams if gannon's here maybe they win the super bowl if the size here that's how big of a fan i am because this secondary is kind of in shambles it's been in shambles they've missed their slot corner and yet he's still out here finding ways to get it done because he trusts his guys that that kind of experience that goodrich and ricks have and whether it was good or bad that kind of experience is going to grow these guys. How many times have we seen the Eagles lose secondary guys like Shandon Sullivan or Rudy Ford because they don't play them and they go on to other teams and, and they play well, but the but they never did much in Philly because they weren't trusted enough. The side trusts his guys, and that goes a long way to helping build a cohesive defense. Oh, my God. What a banger. Mic drop right there by Ed. End the show. <laughs> that was, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah. And you're right. I mean – you're absolutely right with that. I say it all the time. I'm like, Rizal Douglas has turned into a formidable player for the Packers. I mean, he, 
Yeah. You're absolutely valid points that, that you're making. And it's interesting that you say it that way. And wow. I, that was really good. I, I think they won the Super Bowl with Shonda size. I think people agree with you on that because what did Jonathan Gann struggle with the most? Making adjustments. Right. What and I he- think the side does that extremely well. And he does it because he knows his player's strengths and weaknesses. I think he spends that kind of time. I'm not sure Gannon always knew his strengths and weaknesses. I don't think he trusted younger players. He hardly played Jordan Davis early on last season. And I know this is a village, you know, making these decisions, but it's ultimately the DC, you know, the defensive coordinator's job to to pull the trigger on whatever's being talked about during the week. And, you know, I don't think Gannon had that, you know, that sense of what his guys did well. He did struggle to adjust, but I think Desai uh, has proven that he he can do it. He can figure it out. Um, he's a smart, smart guy. And, you know, he's a son of teachers. He, you know, he's grown up in, in that culture of teaching and education. And I think he does a good job of relating to his players and teaching them how to do the job that they're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, the Eagles kind of looked into him. Oh, well, I don't want to say locked into him because I feel like if if they had a clear indication that John DeGannon was leaving, they would hire a big banjo and that'd be that. But I mean, right. Side might end up being the right guy. It's always the it's always the coaches that they just fall into their laps. Yeah, like Sirianni. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, Doug Peterson fell into their laps too. It's just the coaches that fall into their laps, and arguably Shane Seichet fell into their laps from a relationship with Sirianni. So right, right, Uh, very, very, very interesting stuff right there. That that I I really like this point. That's how we're going to end the episode. We're going to end it on those those mic drops real quick. I thought that was great. All right, guys, we will talk to you guys later in the week to discuss this upcoming game versus New York Jets. It's going to be an interesting one. I think the Jets are way better than what their record says they are, especially defensive-wise. They have a Zach Wilson problem. That's about it, though. Uh, So we'll talk about that later in the week. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.